Today, we're checking in on the 60-40 portfolio after one of its worst years on record. Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of March 6th, 2023. And today we're going to check in on the 60-40 portfolio. For those of you who may not be familiar, and we'll get to it, but the 60-40 portfolio is basically a mix of 60% stocks and 40% bonds. And it's meant to be a general benchmark for a diversified, moderate risk investor. Last year, 2022, both stocks and bonds struggled because the Fed was hiking interest rates, and that's leading very reasonable people to ask if it's the right model for the path ahead. Our portfolio strategist, Macro Mike Legalbo, is joining me on the pod today to discuss some of his latest research on portfolio construction. Michael, it's great to have you back. Hi, Lauren. Always great to be on the podcast. But I've got to say, before we get started, what crummy weather we're having lately. It's really got me missing summertime. I don't know. My dog Hank looks pretty cute bounding around in the snow, but I actually couldn't agree more. I'm just about always counting down to warmer weather. You know what I really love on a hot summer day is an ice cold Arnold Palmer. When iced tea and lemonade are mixed in that perfect ratio, it really just hits the spot. And that's also a pretty good segue into our conversation today because the 60-40 portfolio, the traditional portfolio allocation of 60% stocks and 40% bonds is like the Arnold Palmer of asset allocation. Oh my gosh, the Arnold Palmer of asset allocation. I love that. And I can see it. For some investors, 60-40 allocation is appropriate. Just like for some people, they might prefer iced tea lemonade split in their Arnold Palmer to be a little overweight on the iced tea. I'm definitely one of those people. But then for other investors, a 50-50 stock bond allocation is more appropriate. Just like for some people, they like equal amounts of iced tea and lemonade. Exactly. But before we talk about rebalancing towards the 60-40 mix and allocating within the stocks and bond sleeves, let's first talk about what makes the 60-40 portfolio special and why we hear it referenced so much. All right. Awesome. Let's do it. So for a general investor targeting moderate risk and moderate returns, on average, over time, the 60-40 portfolio has been the optimal allocation for long-term risk-adjusted returns. Investment best practices suggest that diversification between stocks and bonds can cushion portfolios against ebbs and flows in the market. Let's take one step deeper into the why there. A different mix of asset classes such as stocks and bonds have tended in the past to cushion portfolios against market moves because they're driven by different things, or at least partially different things. There is some overlap. And that means that changes in macroeconomic events may change stock and bond prices a bit different, hence diversification. So answer this question in a few words or less, Michael. Does diversification actually work? It has tended to, yes, but it's still not perfect. Still, stocks and bonds serve important purposes in a portfolio mix. Okay, we'll come back to those important purposes. But before we get too deep into the weeds, again, why are we talking about this? 
Because 60-40 portfolios are perceived as investment best practice for a moderate risk investor, many investors and asset allocators like us as well use the 60-40 portfolio as a sort of benchmark to which they compare their own performance. And because it's a moderate allocation designed for the average investor, the question of how is the 60-40 portfolio doing is also used as a proxy for the health of the average investor. That's true. And that's why we chose to dive into the subject. So for any investors who haven't followed the markets too closely, both stock and bond prices fell in 2022. That led to a historically bad year for the performance of this benchmark 60-40 portfolio and resulted in many financial pundits claiming that the 60-40 portfolio, the classic 60-40 stock bond allocation was dead. Now, that's a little dramatic for us and our taste, but what they mean here is that the diversification benefits of holding stocks and bonds together in a portfolio had at least last year disappeared. That's right. But the truth is, I believe that's an extremely short-sighted view. I want to hear a little bit more about that because I agree. It it misses the point that a 60-40 allocation isn't about one year of investing, but rather a long-term process towards building a financial goal. Right. The stock bond correlation or the degree to which stocks and bonds move in coordination with each other was high last year. That's true. But over time, stocks and bonds have experienced where they move relatively in tandem, also known as high correlation, and when they move relatively opposite to each other, known as negative correlation. I'll note two important points here. Because stock bond correlation was high last year, does not guarantee it will be high next year. And a high stock bond correlation does not invalidate the 60-40 portfolio. There have been several years where both 60-40 returns and stock bond correlation were positive. Okay, that's really important context. And the main takeaway for me is that diversification doesn't shield you from all investment risk because nothing can. Over the long term, there are going to be years where diversification provides ample benefits and years where it doesn't solve all of investors' problems. But in the long term, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, it can still be a valuable framework for thinking about investing. Exactly. So now that we've explained the basis of a 60-40 portfolio, how it works, why investors use it, let's get into how we can think about that portfolio today. We said that most asset classes struggled last year, and in our view, that provides an opportunity to rebalance and reallocate a portfolio towards the asset classes and themes that are more likely to work in today's context. There's four reasons for this that Michael's research identified and that we want to talk about today. Portfolio drift has been especially strong over the last decade, and we'll share what that means. The correlation issue that we've just been talking about may look better this year. The macroeconomic environment has changed. You've heard a lot about that from us already. And finally, big moves in valuation like we saw last year can provide an attractive tactical or timing opportunity for investors who can be tactical. It's quite a list. So Michael, the floor is yours. It's your research. Where do you want to start? Let's start with drift. All right, great. What is drift? Portfolio drift occurs when an asset allocation deviates from its target allocation due to changes in the market. For example, if an investor initially allocated to a 50-50 portfolio and in the following years, stocks greatly outperform bonds, that portfolio would then be well overweight stocks and far underweight bonds. Okay, so in your example, because stock prices went up by more, then the total value of your portfolio will weigh more towards stocks than it did before. In other words, your portfolio drifted towards a different allocation. Yes. And the issue here is not that being allocated to more stocks in this example is necessarily bad. The main point is that the allocation is not what the investor originally chose. And when portfolio drift occurs, 
investors should rebalance to their target allocation. We're talking about managing against drift in a portfolio now because portfolio drift or stock bond portfolio was especially high over the last decade. I'll use an example to explain what I mean. Say an investor built a portfolio of 60% stocks and 40% bonds in 2010 and didn't touch it or rebalance it. At the end of last year, that portfolio was 80% stocks and 20% bonds. But in contrast, take a 60-40 portfolio built in the year 2000. 22 years later, that portfolio is 61% stocks and 39% bonds. What this example is meant to highlight is that there are periods where portfolios are more at risk of portfolio drift. So those investors who liked a little more iced tea in their Arnold Palmer may now be saying, actually, the market overdid it for me. That's too much iced tea. Yes, exactly. I'll add here that we believe many investors rebalance their portfolio more than once a decade, but the point about stocks outperforming in the last decade still bears out. Outperformance of stocks over bonds supported by a low interest rate environment generated drift for the 60-40 portfolio investor. And addressing this portfolio drift for the 60-40 investor may mean rebalancing a portion of stocks back to bonds. Okay, now moving further down our list, the second reason that Michael identified that this could be an apt time for investors to rebalance or reallocate is that we believe stock bond correlation will likely moderate this year. This also speaks to a larger bond allocation because as we discussed, when correlation is low, diversification can matter more. Last year, the driver of both stocks and bonds was the same thing, an upside inflation surprise, which drove a strong and sudden uptick in interest rates. You've heard all about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Now, research suggests that it's not only macroeconomic factors that matter here, but also the fact that those macroeconomic factors were so unexpected. That's right. There's a bunch of quantitative research on the topic, but it boils down to when inflation surprises or when inflation is driving the market, stock bond correlation has tended to be positive. When economic growth is controlling the narrative or when economic growth surprises, stock bond correlation has tended to be negative. Last year saw an inflation rate not seen in four decades, certainly surprising markets and catching many investors off guard. While we don't know the trajectory of inflation from here, we don't anticipate it will be as surprising to investors in 2023 as it was last year. All right, got it. So less surprising means potentially more normal correlations, and therefore the 60-40 portfolio may not look as grim. Certainly. Let's move on then to our third reason for not only rebalancing from stocks to bonds in a portfolio, but also reallocating within both of those portfolio positions. And that is that a new macroeconomic regime may require new investment ideas and reevaluating existing holdings. The last economic cycle, the post-financial crisis period up to the COVID-19 pandemic, was defined by a particular macroeconomic regime low and stable economic growth and inflation and interest rates. Lower declining interest rates support companies' operations by reducing the cost of capital and support companies' valuations by increasing the value of distant cash flows. So companies with longer dated expected earnings, namely growth stocks, are more sensitive to changes in interest rates and therefore have benefited disproportionately from the past macroeconomic backdrop. It's important to remember the post-financial crisis environment has been the exception, not the rule. Looking ahead, we believe that interest rates are likely to be higher, inflation is likely to be stickier, and that economic growth will be more volatile and uncertain. In such an environment, short-duration assets, assets or companies with real near-term cash flows, are expected to outperform. This suggests investors consider reducing their exposure to long-duration assets 
or assets with distant cash flows. One way investors can do so in their stocks allocation is by overweighting high dividend and value equity stocks. And in their bonds allocation is with satellite exposure to short duration high yield debt. That's really interesting what you're describing. Those are great examples of reducing duration across a portfolio. Now, before we get more into portfolio ideas, I do just want to cover the last reason you identified, Michael, for why now could be a great time for investors to rebalance and reallocate. And that reason is valuation. There have been so many moments of volatility in the last 12 months in the markets. And I think that's even an understatement. So for investors who have the risk tolerance and time horizon to be more tactical in their asset allocation, there may be some good opportunities to make changes towards the portfolio allocation that you think may work for the macroeconomic period ahead. Regular listeners will know that we've been cautious on risk-taking, especially in the near term, as the economy has yet to feel the full effects of the Fed's rate hikes. Nevertheless, price action at the start of 2023 has provided investors with a favorable rebalancing window. That means we think investors should consider using this opportunity to lock in gains and rebalance for the future. All right, now it's time to talk portfolios. That brings us to our Portfolio Pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And today, we've talked a lot about the reasons to rebalance and reallocate, portfolio drift, potentially lower correlation, positioning for a new macro regime, and recent price action. Michael combined that analysis with a quantitative portfolio modeling process to construct a new 60-40 portfolio investors could consider for this new macro regime. But first, Michael, why don't you explain to our listeners what makes this version of the 60-40 portfolio new or novel? Absolutely. So there's nothing new about the 60-40 model. As we mentioned, investors have been using it as a guidepost for asset allocation since the foundation of modern portfolio theory. In fact, the theory is so durable that when investors started using it, they had fewer options for investing. That is really interesting. Yes. Traditionally, the 60-40 portfolio is considered to be a combination of the S&P 500 and U.S. aggregate bond index. When retail investors could first invest in mutual funds, they had few options to choose from. So the 60-40 came to be known as a broad market index like the S&P 500 and a broad bond market index like the U.S. aggregate bond market index. However, today's investors have many more options to consider when investing in stock and bond funds. We tested a number of portfolios and found that some can improve upon the traditional 60-40 portfolio's risk-adjusted returns. Ooh, I love that. A fresh look at the 60-40 portfolio. Okay, so there's more options that may add some nuance to what was the standard portfolio allocation. And you can layer on what we were describing earlier about the new macro regime too. That I imagine might require some additional shifts. So Michael, walk us through your findings. Gladly. In short, what we found is that over a historical period, a more diversified and dynamic stock bond allocation has tended to outperform the traditional S&P 500 and U.S. aggregate bond index 60-40 portfolio. Okay, so lean further into the diversification idea, not further away. Yes, what we did is model a number of sample portfolios from 1973 to 2022. We stuck to the 60-40 stock bond allocation, but diversified within each sleeve using different equity factors and bond indexes, respectively. Portfolio modeling assumed portfolios were rebalanced annually, and we re-ranked them on a risk-adjusted monthly returns. And I think the results are fairly interesting. The most efficient 60-40 portfolio we identified was overweight high dividend stocks in the stock sleeve with additional exposure to large cap and value stocks. The bond sleeve was found to be improved by adding municipal bonds and corporate bond exposure to core bond holdings. All right. 
Additionally, to make our 6040 model more dynamic, we found that small satellite holdings can be carved from the high dividend and core bond positions to tailor investor preferences to the current macroeconomic regime. In the stock sleeve, we think satellite exposure to infrastructure equity and or currency hedged international developed market equity could outperform. And in bonds, we offer two views. Given that the yield curve is inverted and short rates are at their highest in 20 years, we think investors should consider reducing duration with satellite exposure to short duration high yield bonds. However, for investors who believe yields have peaked and could fall, we think taxable municipal bonds may provide quality long dated duration with an attractive yield potential. Wow, this is really exciting analysis that breathes new life into an outdated way of thinking about the classic 60-40 portfolio. We get to keep our Arnold Palmer, which I love. As we close out our conversation today, I want to thank you, Macro Mike, for providing the quantitative analysis and valuable insight needed for this discussion. Thanks, Lauren. Coming up next, we have a very special guest joining the podcast next week to share his successes in investing. You won't want to miss this one. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. And this includes a fresh white paper on Michael's portfolio construction ideas out in the next couple of days. Definitely check it out. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. Diversification cannot assure a profit or protect against loss in a declining market. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a surface mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.